0: you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn them to Genesis in chapter number <clears throat> 22 this morning, Genesis in chapter number 22, and I'm going to read quite a few verses this morning, I'll read a one of my favorite stories, uh, especially uh, in the Old Testament, and uh, lay a foundation. We're going to have to keep our Bibles open under this portion of Scripture, and I'll come back to it here in just a little while after we lay the foundation of what's going on here. And then I want you to see something this morning that, uh, uh, that I, I saw uh, some time ago. And uh, I, 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 I love reading my Bible, and um, I used to be more concerned with quantity of Bible than I was quality, but the Lord just kind of slowed me down just a little bit. I'm glad the Lord allows me to just be able to just slow down and just really uh, get the truth in what He's trying to get across, amen, from the Word of God. And I, I, I want to just uh, give you a, a thought uh, here this morning out of Genesis 22. Let's begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says that it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham And said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lamb will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid upon Isaac his son and took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake on Abraham his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called an Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, not only son, that in blessing I will bless thee and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed because thou has obeyed my voice. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Lord, we sure do thank you, Lord, for the, Lord, the good songs, Lord, that we just got through hearing. Lord, thank you, uh, Lord, for the congregational singing, Lord, that just uh, all three of them, dear God, it seemed uh, to just uh, uh, come in harmony, Lord, with the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are coming back one of these days. It could be today. Lord, we do thank you, Lord, for the songs that the Wolfram family sang, and Lord, just the goodness of God upon our lives, first of all, Lord, that we can thank you for the rest of the days of our lives, just for the fact that we're not going to hell, and Lord, we can thank you also, like not only are we not going to hell, but Lord, you've bestowed many, many blessings upon us, and Lord, so many times, Lord, I have felt like they sang just a while ago, how you love me like I'm your only child. But all my father's children feel that way. And Lord, we thank you for the love of God. And Lord, we do come to you, Lord, now. And Lord, we ask you that you would take this service over. Do the work that only you can do. And Lord, I do come to you, Lord. I ask you, Lord, those that are watching by way of live stream, dear God, I pray that you would speak to their heart this morning. And I'm glad that we serve an omnipresent God. Lord, not only is the God that sits on the throne in heaven today, uh, limited, He's not limited to Riverside Baptist Church, but Lord, thank God, uh, Lord, He can work even through the live stream service. Lord, we pray, Lord, that You'd speak to hearts like You can. And again, Lord, every time I open up the Word of God and stand before people to preach, Lord, I understand that there's many times, Lord, that I stand between the living and the dead, and I pray that there's anyone that's here this morning that's lost, dead in their trespasses and sins, I pray they'd get this thing of salvation settled today once and for all. And Lord, we'll thank you for it in your precious name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. We see here in Genesis chapter number 22 that the angel of the Lord comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, Abraham, and Abraham says, here am I. The angel of the Lord, a messenger of God, tells Abraham, he said, I want you to take thy son, thy only son Isaac, and I want you to take him to one of the mountains and I want you to offer him there for a sacrifice. Now we understand as we read Scripture that Isaac was not Abraham's only son. He had a son named Ishmael, but Isaac was referenced as his only son because he was the promise he that would carry out the covenant. We understand that Abraham did not hesitate for one moment, and they got up early in the morning, and he and Isaac and his servants, and they sailed the horses, and they began to make their journey to that mountain. At the bottom of the mountain, Abraham tells the servants, you and the horses, you stay here at the bottom of the mountain, and me and Isaac, my son, are going to go up there on the mountain, and we're going to." Uh, We're going to go and worship the Lord and we shall return. You'll find as they're going up the mountain, Isaac tells, asks his father, he said, Father, he said, the fire, or the wood and the fire I see. He said, But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham makes a very prophetical statement. He said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb. And I am thankful that God did provide of himself a lamb over 2,000 years ago when he gave his only begotten son to die on the cross of Calvary for my sin and for your sin. You'll find that they get to the top of the mountain, they, uh, Abraham uh, builds the altar. He, the Bible says very clearly that uh, he does exactly what the angel of the Lord tells him to do. And he binds Isaac there on that altar. The Bible says that he even goes as far as to to pull his knife back to slay his son and obey the very voice of God. And as he goes to pull the knife back to slay his son, all of a sudden he hears that voice again. Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham says, here am I. The angel of the Lord said, I, am not, I, I, I lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And the Bible says, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him in the thicket was a ram caught. And I could just, uh, uh, we, we understand that, that Abraham unbinds his son Isaac, that he was willing to obey the voice of God and do exactly what God had told him to do, but, but Abraham unbinds his son Isaac. He goes and slays that ram, puts that ram on the altar, and offers that ram instead of his son for the burnt sacrifice. As I read this story here, I see that the the main characters of this story is Abraham, Isaac, and that ram that was caught in the thicket. As I read in Genesis chapter 22 and verses number 1 through 18 that I read for you, all it's speaking about is Abraham and Isaac. Abraham and Isaac, they go up the mountain. Isaac asked Abraham, he said, The fire and the wood I see, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said to Isaac, he said, My son God will provide himself a lamb. They go up the mountain. Abraham builds the altar. He binds Isaac on the altar. He goes to slay his son, but there's a ram called the thicket. We understand today that Isaac did not die that day on the mountain. As Abraham begins to go back down to the bottom of the mountain, there's a verse right here in Genesis chapter 22, in verse number 19, that really got my attention as I was reading this story some time ago. I want you to look what the what the wording says here this morning. I just uh, uh, can I borrow your imagination for just a moment? Look at verse number 19. Look what the Bible says. So Abraham returned to his young men and they rose up and went together to Beersheba and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. I I, I wouldn't dare criticize that. I'm not critiquing that Bible. It's not our job to critique the Bible. Thank God the Bible critiques us. But I'm very interested in the wording here today. It says so Abraham returned unto his young men. Can I ask us a question today? Not a loaded question. Did Isaac die on the mount of that day? The answer is no. Isaac didn't die. So I can just imagine there that day as Isaac's there on that altar and he's bound on that altar and he's looking up at his daddy and his daddy begins to pull that knife back to slay his son and I can just imagine in his Mind. He's wondering, why is Daddy doing this to me? Why in the world am I about to die up here on this mountain? And after everything was said and done, and I Abraham unbound Isaac from that altar and went and killed that ram and offered it up in his stead on that altar. And then he burned it, he used it for a burnt sacrifice. And I could just imagine in my mind as everything was said and done that day. And Abraham began to go back to the bottom of the mountain. It could be that possibly Isaac said to daddy daddy do you care if I just stay up here on this mountain just a little while and it could very well have been that Isaac told daddy father Abraham I just want to stay up here on the mountain and I want to thank the Lord for a few things today and I believe we can find it in the scripture here this morning And I say this morning, you know, I think that would be something good for all of us to do more than we actually do. Just stop and say thank you to the one that has been far better to us than we deserve. But Andrew, the Bible records that in the last days, that men should be unthankful and unholy. You understand, it's not only a sin that will happen in the last days, but it even happened in the Bible days as well during our Lord's earthly ministry. There were so many times that Jesus went about doing things and never one time got any expression of gratitude or thankfulness. I think about the feeding of the 5,000, not counting women and children, but nowhere in that context do you ever see those that were starving, and now Jesus feeds them nowhere in the context. Do you see that anybody came back to thank the Lord? I think about the storm on the on, on, the, on Galilee. The disciples come to Jesus as they say, Carest thou not that we perish? And Jesus stepped out on the deck of that ship and said those three wonderful words: Peace be still. As I read that story, my mind just begins to think that the waves uh, laid down like glass and the wind quit blowing and the dark clouds rolled away and the trees on the other side were waving back to the Lord, hallelujah. But nowhere in that story do you find anyone coming back and saying thank you. It's not only a sin that took place in Bible days, but I like to ask all of us, When's the last time we've got in a prayer closet or we fell on an altar? We said, Lord, we don't have any requests today. I didn't come to you to fulfill some needs in my life. I'm not coming to ask anything. I don't even want to tell you what's bothering me today. All I want to do, Jesus, is say thank you for the goodness of God that has been bestowed upon my life. We live in such a world today and even inside the walls of our churches where kids don't even know how to say the words thank you to their parents anymore. It seems like parents in this generation are better to their kids than ever before, yet there is less gratitude. There's a generation now that feels like they're entitled to everything. We can't even get a thank you. But can I say I don't ever want to be so busy, I I don't ever want to be so burdened down with the issues of life or so misdirected that I cannot take time to thank God for the goodness in my life. I I, I think about over in 2 Samuel chapter 7 when the uh, angel of the Lord came to David and reminded him of the goodness of God as David was now the king and blessed him and he was one of the richest kings that Israel ever seen. And and the angel of the Lord reminded David of the goodness that was was bestowed upon him and The angel of the Lord said, David, let me remind you of something. I I want to to remind you of where you were when I found you. You weren't an heir to the throne. As a matter of fact, I I sent Samuel to anoint one of Jesse's sons, the king of Israel. And you're down there, and your daddy didn't even think enough of you to bring you off the backside of the desert to see if you were the one I was going to use. You were following the sheep coat on the backside of nowhere. Your older brother said, all you've ever done in life is take care of a bunch of handful of sheep. And David, if you would have died, there would have been a handful of people at your funeral and you were a nobody of nowhere on the backside of nowhere and nobody even knew who you were. And David, I want to remind you of something. Everything you are, everything you hope to be is because I came to you and I put you in the place where you're at today. Can we be reminded this morning, every single one of us in the center of our voice, he deserves for us to say thank you. I don't ever want to forget where I'd be if it hadn't been for the good grace and the seeking grace of an almighty God. Some of of us in this room, we would have died in our sin if it wasn't for God. Some of us in this room would be locked up in jail. Most of us would be on our way to hell. Our homes would be broke up. Our lives would be shot and shattered. But here we are today with Jesus in our heart, a Bible in our hand, something to live for, a heaven worth going to. Can I say, he deserves for you and I to just say thank you, amen. When's the last time you thanked God for the country you live in called America? I go over to the Philippines and I have five or six different times. I go and spend time with a missionary friend of Brother Marshall's as well, Brother Doug Sisson. I remember after that mission trip the first year he was taking me back to the airport. And I asked Brother Sisson, I said, Brother Sisson, what's the greatest struggle for every Filipino? And he said, Brother Dallas, the greatest struggle for every Filipino man, woman, boy, and girl is how they're going to get a bite to eat every single day. Can I say, we've got a lot to be thankful for. I want you to look at it with me this morning. Here's a few reasons, possibly, Isaac stayed up there on the mountain. Can I say, first of all, look at verse number 5 with me. Look at Genesis 22, look at verse number 5. The Bible says that Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here at the ass, and I and the lamb will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Look at verse number 19. Abraham told the young men, he said, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Look at verse number 19. The Bible says, so Abraham returned to his young men and they rose up and went together to Beersheba and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. It doesn't say anything about Isaac in verse number 19. Can I say, first of all, maybe, just maybe, Isaac said, I want to stay up here on the mountain because number one, I want to praise God that he provided a substitute in my stead, amen. You understand the angel of the Lord Told Isaac or told Abraham to slay thy son, thine only son Isaac. Isaac deserved to die that day because that's what the angel of the Lord said. Can we be reminded? Every single one of us, young and old, we deserve to die and go to a place called hell. But thank God, God committed his love toward us. And that while we were young sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Thank God, there was a substitute in our stand so we didn't have to die and go to that place called hell. I'm reminded of a story I read some time ago about a husband and wife. And they had tried and tried and tried to have children, but God just didn't give them biological children. And finally, they prayed and fasted and sought counsel about the idea of adoption. And God finally gave them peace about adopting a little boy or a little girl. That husband and wife they began to go to those children's homes and they would walk through the long corridors of those children's homes and down the long hallways and they'd go and see the little girls on that side of the hall and they'd go and see the little boys on that side of the hallway and they went to about five or six and there was never a little boy or a little girl that God just melted their heart and just gave them peace about adopting and bringing home and calling their very own child. The wife began to become very discouraged and she wanted a, a child so badly in the home and the husband said, Honey, he said, We'll go to one last children's home. There, if there's not a little boy or a little girl there, that God just melts our heart and just gives us peace about adopting then we'll realize that God doesn't want us to have children in the home. Finally the day came when they went to that last children's home. They walked through the long hallway there and they walked on this side of the hallway and they saw all the little girls and they walked on that side of the hallway and saw all the little boys and finally they got to the very last room they walked inside that room there and there was about five or six boys in a circle playing amongst themselves. But there was one little boy, he was off looking outside the window and tears were streaming down his face. That wife walked up to that little boy and she said, son, she said, what are you crying for? And he said, well mammy," said, I saw you and your husband when you pulled up here today and I thought to myself, I've been here for the last three years and I've seen husbands and wives come here day in and day out to adopt a little girl, to adopt a little boy. He said, but nobody ever falls in love with me. Nobody ever cares about me enough to adopt me and to call me their very own child. He said, uh, I got dropped off here three years ago. And I, and nobody's ever adopted me. And I just feel like there's nobody in the world that really cares about me. You could imagine it broke that lady's heart. Her and her husband prayed about it and got peace that that was the very one that God would have them to adopt. The day came where everything was finalized through the courts and they brought that little boy home and put new clothes on his back that he had never had before, had food on the table that he had never got to eat before, didn't have to share it with a bunch of other boys. Gave him his own bedroom and had all the things that he had never had before and the next day they enrolled that little boy in the school and that boy was sitting there in the classroom and the recess bell rang and all the kids went out there on the playground and that little boy just walked, off, walked out on the playground by himself and all the little boys there and the little girls of that school, they began to surround that little boy in a circle. That boy was in the middle of the circle. They began to say mean and cruel things like sometimes kids will do. They began to point their finger at that little boy and they began to say, oh, that's not your real mom and dad that you're living with. And if your real mom and dad cared about you, they would have never left you on the doorsteps of that orphanage. They said, when your new mom and dad get sick and tired of you, they're going to take you right back there. They don't care anything about you. They're not your real mom and dad. You could imagine it broke that little boy's heart. The school day was over and he got back home and he just went up to his room and just popped on the bed and just began to cry. Dad came in a couple hours later and asked where where his son was at and mom said, well, he's upstairs and he's crying and he won't tell me what's wrong. The dad went and sat on the edge of the bed of the sun and he said, son, he said, tell me what you're crying for. He said, Dad, I should have thought for the first time in my life somebody really cared about me. Somebody really loved me. He said, you and Mom came and adopted me and you brought me home and you put new clothes on my back and uh, uh, shoes on my feet and uh, food on the table. And he said, I thought for the first time somebody really cared about me. He said, but Dad, I went to school today and all the kids began to say that you're not my real mom and dad. And if my real mom and dad cared about me, they would have never let me on the doorsteps of that orphanage. And they said, when you get sick and tired of me, you're going to do the same thing. That dad said, "Sonny, he said, listen to me. Your mom and I went to children's home after children's home after children's home. We bypassed all the other little girls. We bypassed all the other little boys. He said, we came to you. We sought you out. He said, son, we fell in love with you. We brought you home, put new clothes on your back, shoes on your feet, gave you your own bedroom. He said, son, he said, we love you with all our heart. The next day that boy went to school Recess bell rang again. They all went out to the playground. All the kids surround that boy again. They began to point their finger at that little boy. They began to say, oh, that's not your real mom and dad. And if your real mom and dad cared about you, they would have never left you on the doorsteps of that orphanage. And When your new mom and dad get sick and tired of you, they're going to do the same thing. This day, that little boy had a little bit of boldness about him. He just squared his shoulders back, and he pointed his finger at all those little uh, kids. He said, let me tell you something, kids. He said, my mom and dad went to children's home, after children's home, after children's home. Uh, they bypassed all the other little boys. They bypassed all the other little girls. They brought me home, put new clothes on my back, shoes on my feet, food on my table, uh, uh, gave me my own bedroom. And he said, your mom and dad had a with well, Thank God, amen. Can I ask you this morning, have you ever felt like that little boy where it seemed like nobody else in the world cared? Can I tell my friend there was a God in heaven that cared that sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for our sin so we could be saved by the grace of God can I ask you this morning when's the last time uh, we didn't take life for granted and realize that God has been far better to us than we deserve amen I just want to say thank you I'm reminded of a little girl That had come down with a rare blood disease. And her family searched frantically. She lost a lot of blood and if she didn't get a blood transfusion it was very evident that she didn't have long to live. And her family searched frantically through the rest of the family to find somebody that had the same blood type that she did. And Finally they came to her cousin. His name was Johnny. Johnny had the same type of blood. Johnny was robust and full of energy just to just a boy, just a normal boy outside playing in the dirt and playing football and basketball and sports and such. They came to Johnny and they said, Johnny, your cousin Susie has come down with this rare blood disease and Susie has to have a blood transfusion. And Johnny, you may not understand this all, but Susie has the same blood type that you do and she's in need of blood transfusion. They said, Johnny, would you mind giving of your blood so Susie can live? Johnny said, "I love Susie. Susie's my best friend. He said, If Susie needs my blood, then Susie gets my blood. The day came where they rolled both hospital gurneys down the hospital hallway there, and they finally got to the room where they were about to perform the blood transfusion. Susie's in one hospital bed, she's just pale and thin and just about lifeless. Johnny's just robust and full of energy could barely keep him tamed and Finally, the doctor came over with the needle that was he was about to insert into. Johnny's vein and all of a sudden the smile on Johnny's face began to fade he looked up there at the doctor and he said doctor he said when do I die and it was only at that moment that Johnny thought that because of him giving his blood to Susie that he had to die in order for Susie to live thankfully Johnny did not have to die that day by giving a blood transfusion but there was one over 2,000 years ago that gave a blood transfusion to the entire world, and he died so you and I could be saved by the grace of God and be free. I just want to say thank you. Perhaps not only was he praising God that he provided a substitute, but second of all, possibly he was praising God for his father's faith. For his father's faith. You understand? The angel of the Lord came to Abraham, and he told Abraham, he said, Abraham! Abraham, take thy son, that only son, Isaac. Take him to the mountain and offer him there for a sacrifice. The Bible says it doesn't say anything about Abraham hesitating. It doesn't say anything about Abraham questioning God. All it says, Abraham rose up early in the morning. And sound his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Can I say, uh, possibly, there that day? Isaac was just thanking the Lord uh, for his father's faith. Can I say, young people, those of you that get to grow up in a Christian home, or those of us adults that were afforded to be able to grow up in a Christian home, I'm thankful that we had. Uh, I'm thankful for those uh, that have godly parents, or you got a pastor that stands up and faithfully preaches. The Word of God, baby, just baby, Isaac was thanking the Lord for his father's faith. Amen. you got a youth director that loves you. You you get to come to the house of God. Can I say there's been some old time saints of God. All these years have given and given and given so the lights could stay on. And this minister can continue to go forward to give out the gospel message. Young people, when's the last time you... Thank one of these gray-haired saints of God and just say, I want to thank you for staying in your place and staying faithful to God and just stay, staying a witness for the Lord. Amen. Possibly he was just praising God for his Father's faith. And then lastly, this morning, look at verse number 15. Look at verse number 15. Bible says and the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven a second time and said by myself have I sworn saith the Lord for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thy only son that in blessing I will bless thee and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because thou hast obeyed my voice. Possibly, Isaac went to his dad that day as he was going back to the bottom of the mouth. He said, Daddy, is it okay if I just stay up here and praise the Lord for a few things? Could be that he was praising God that he provided a substitute. Could be that he was praising God for his father's faith. Or maybe, just maybe, he was praising God for his future. You understand the angel Lord was talking to Abraham, but Isaac was the promised seed. And whatever was promised to Abraham when Abraham passed off the scene. It would be given to Isaac. And Young people, this morning, there's one thing that you have, that every one of us wish the uh, all, every one of us that are a little bit older wish we have. You have time, and what I mean by that is you have your youth that you can just go ahead and sell out for God, lock, stock, and barrel, and have a glorious future to serve the God of Heaven. I've heard this for years now. Brother Dallas, if I set out to God like you or other preachers or other Christians, I can't do this or I can't do that. Selling out to God is not about what you cannot do. Selling out to God is about what you can do. You can lay your head on the pillow at night and have peace about what you did that day. You can wake up every morning right in the center of God's will for your life. You can, uh, you, you, you can obey your parents and not have any regrets about the way you respected the authority in your life. It's not about what you cannot do. It's about what you can do. The Bible says over Matthew Matthew 10, verse number 39, He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake She'll find it. Back in the World War II era, there was an American POW camp in Okinawa, Japan. And our American soldiers were prisoners of war in that POW camp. The Japanese would do crazy, asinine, uh, just, uh, just unimaginable things to our American soldiers in that POW camp. For instance, there would be a Japanese official that would come through the gate of that POW camp from time to time and he would have all the American POWs to stand at attention. And that Japanese official would have a clipboard in his hand and on that clipboard he had their information. That information consisted of their first name, their last name, their birth date, and the state that they were from. That Japanese official would have all the American POWs to stand at attention. He would have that clipboard in his hand. And he would say, those of you that were born in the state of Texas, step forward. And the 10 or 12 in that formation would step forward that were born in Texas. That Japanese official would say, follow me. They would follow that Japanese official. The others would stand at attention They'd go over a hill. They'd go out of sight. Those that would stand at attention a few minutes later would hear the gunshots and the screams of their fellow soldiers. And they knew that those that were born in the state of Texas had just been blown down by the enemy's fire. A little time would pass and that Japanese official would come back through the POW camp with that clipboard in his hand and have the American POWs to stand at attention He would say things like, those of you that were born in the month of July, step forward. Those that were born in the month of July, they would step forward because they knew that he had that on the roster. The others would stand at attention. Those that were born in the month of July would follow that Japanese official. They'd go over the hill and out of sight. Just a little while later, those that were still standing at attention would hear the gunshots and the screams and the hollers of their comrades. A little time had passed now, and a high-ranking Japanese official stepped foot in the gate one day there. at the POW camp, the highest-ranking Japanese official that had ever stepped foot in that POW camp, they had all the American POWs standing standing stand attention, and those that were standing in attention there that day, they knew exactly what was about to happen. Some of them were about to die. That Japanese official had the clipboard in his hand, he had the roster in his hand and he said every one of you that claim to be a Christian step forward but the wolf from nobody stepped forward because they knew he did not have that information on the roster he said every one of you that claim to be a Christian step forward, nobody stepped forward he began to make fun of America. He began to make fun of the God of heaven. He began to say, oh, you Americans, you claim to be a strong nation and under God. He said, your God is fake and your nation is weak. There was one old boy at the end of that, in the back of that formation line. He didn't say it outwardly, but he said it inwardly. He said, you know what? God's allowed me to be able to live in the greatest country in all the world the United States of America, but not only have I been able to live in America, but I was able to hear the Gospel message one day, and I got saved by the grace of God, and if I step forward by claiming Christianity, and I have to lose my life, then so be it. I'm going to step forward and claim that I am a Christian. He stepped forward. A couple more stepped forward. Two or three more stepped forward, and I believe it's about 12 or 15 men that stepped forward there that day. That high ranking Japanese official said, follow me. Those that standing at attention, those that were following him knew exactly what was about to happen. Those that claimed that they were a Christian, they were about to be blown down by the enemy's fire. Those standing at attention waited a couple of minutes to hear the gunshots and the screams of their fellow soldiers, but they didn't hear a gunshot. A couple of minutes later, matter of fact, they didn't hear a gunshot that day. Matter of fact, they didn't hear from those men. They didn't hear about those men until the war was over. The story goes where General Douglas MacArthur had met with that high ranking Japanese official the very night before. They began to talk about the exchange of POWs, Japanese POWs uh, in the American camps and American POWs in the Japanese camps and he said we'll give a even exchange. He said well there's only one requirement that I have for the soldiers that you release from that POW camp. Just make sure they're Christian. You understand those men that stepped forward and claimed Christ as their Savior and Heaven as their home. They thought they were going to lose their life that day but in reality what they were able to gain was the freedom and the liberty of all that America has to offer and can I say young people when you set out to God you don't lose anything you get to gain the freedom and the liberty of serving the very God of heaven Amen. Amen. just thank God for your future when's the last time can I tell you can I be very transparent with you in these days of what our country is going through right now up to that point I got to a place Brother Wolfram that I even hate to admit that every time I'd get on a plane I'd complain about it. Every time I'd pack my suitcase I'd complain about it. Every time I had a meeting that would bump into each other and I'd preach a Sunday through Tuesday then go to the next place and had to be there Wednesday through Friday, I'd complain about it. I'd walk into the motel room and the recliner in the motel room wasn't to my satisfaction and I'd complain about it. Every time I'd come back home and I'd walk inside the house, there was a smell that I just I, I, my wife didn't. She became blind to it, but I, but I, but there was a smell in the house, and I would just complain about it. And boy, I just complain and complain and complain, and then all of a sudden, the entire calendar became blank. Didn't have anywhere to preach seven weeks straight. And I remember trying to spend time with the Lord in the Bible, and spend time. With the Lord in prayer and just trying to get a hold of God during that time, but still there was just something missing. And I remember walking out of my bedroom one day, and I walked by through down the hallway of our house, and I walked by that guest room where I where I put my suitcase when I get back home. And I walked by that room and I saw that empty suitcase for the first time in my life or for the first time in a long time I realized that I had taken for granted all the goodness that God had bestowed upon me in my life. That day I went to my office downstairs in my house and I just confessed to God and asked God for forgiveness because of my selfishness and because of my complaining and just because of just taking for granted the goodness of God that He's bestowed in my life. now I begin to say, God, I understand I deserve to be in hell with my back broke. I deserve to be in prison. I deserve for not to even have a wife and not even to have a house. I deserve to be homeless living in my car at a rest area. And God, from this day forward, I don't know if you'll ever let me travel again in evangelism, but for this day forward, I'll never take for granted the things that you've given me in my life. The goodness. Can we be reminded, young people, God, can we be reminded adults, God has been very, very good to us. When's the last time we just said thank you? Let's stand all across the building this morning. Last time we thank the Lord. Can I ask you a young person? When's the last time you didn't back talk mom and dad? You just went and put your arm around them and said, I want not let you know I love you. I just want to let you know I thank you for giving me a roof over my head and clothes on my back and shoes on my feet. When's the last time, young people that are members of Riverside Baptist Church, you went and put your arm around Brother Andrew or his dear wife and said, I want I want to just thank you. Picking me up and spending time with me. I want to thank you for preparing that lesson or preparing that message that really helped me get through whatever situation I was going through. When was the last time when you thanked the Lord for your pastor and his precious wife? When was the last time the younger generation went by and just put your arm around one of these gray-haired saints of God and just said, I want to thank you for your faithfulness. I want to thank you for being a testimony that I can follow. was the last time we just thanked the Lord for not going to hell? Boy, He's been mighty, mighty good to us. Mighty, mighty good to us.